everyone, welcome to Loop Lore. A quick deep dive into a folklore topic where I share some of the stories from around the world that have piqued my interest. This episode, Ocean Monsters. Carrying on from River Monsters and hopefully soon followed by Miscellaneous Waterways Monsters as a part of our ongoing Ghost Story Guys PSA, Nature. Stay out of it, especially trees and water. Let's start strong and obvious here. We're talking sea monsters, we're talking the Kraken. Pretty much everyone has surely heard of the Kraken by now. Giant squid or octopus big enough to smash up a ship, plucking the unluckily snack-sized sailors up in its many tentacles to drop into its gaping maw. From Jules Verne to Pirates of the Caribbean, the Kraken is pretty well known with tales retold across the centuries. The original tales seem to be Nordic in origin, the oldest written tales being in 1180 by King Sverre of Norway. The Kraken was thought to roam from the coasts of Norway to around Greenland and Iceland, being a threat to any boat unwary enough to cross its path. Any boat too much to attack head-on being dealt with by stirring up a maelstrom to suck the ship under wave. From there, the delicious morsels the Kraken wanted won't have time to drown before being devoured. Fish are said to follow in the wake of the Kraken in large numbers, though, so the brave and the foolish can risk drawing its attention should they want to try and make a good catch before theoretically getting away safely. There are a few possible mundane explanations for tales of the Kraken. First up, ships used to be a lot smaller. When the Polynesians, the Vikings and the Greeks were booking it all over the place, can you imagine how terrifying it'd be seeing the washed-up corpse of a giant squid? Giant squid are some serious philosophobia fuel as it is, fear of what may be lurking in the unknown depths. Giant squid have been recorded as attacking modern ships too, typically coming to a bad end on the propellers, and these old ships were significantly smaller than a modern-day cruise liner or even an old Empire galleon. A giant squid as it is could very likely flip one, and whacking at it with oars will be a lot less effective than a turbine-powered propeller in seeing one off. But even if you just see a beach corpse of a giant squid, see this horrific potential thing from the depths, your imagination could definitely run wild. Can they get bigger? What if this was a baby? Scratch that, how did this die? Did something bigger kill this monstrosity? You're gonna need a bigger boat. There's also a bit of a dumb and rude possible theory from recent discourse. Blue whales can cavort a bit on the surface when mating, and, well, they are the largest mammals. In every way? Uh, the theory goes that waving blue whale dongs in great enough numbers at a distance could look a little bit crackeny. What the hell was that is certainly the correct response to what a sailor was seeing here, but they were barking up the wrong tree with what exact terror was violating their eyes if they thought this was a giant squid. Okay, from a stone-cold classic to an underrated mythological monstrosity. Skyler. Skyler. Skyler, what the hell is wrong with you? God damn it, I pronounced that wrong. Skila. I've seen people try to lump Skila in as a Mediterranean variation of the Kraken, but that's really selling short just how terrifying Skila is. Skila's origin varies in the details, but are all at the core very typically classically Greek. Skila was a damn fine looking water nymph that people lusted after, and someone jealous cursed the crap out of her until she turned into a monstrosity. Gaius Julius Haginus, an author from a little over 2000 years ago, gives an absolutely brilliant description of Scylla. This is definitely the one which has stuck with me from childhood. 
Once transformed by a poison, Skeela grew six heads, each head having four eyes and three rows of shark's teeth. Her legs became twelve tentacles with a ring of six dog's heads around what was her waist, and having a cat's tail for good measure. She was featured in the Odyssey, where Skeela was risked as the lesser of two potential giant sea monsters, and Odysseus nearly made it around the rock of Skeela in Calabria, but he got complacent while watching out for the larger monster, Charybdis, allowing her to burst out of the depths and grab up six sailors, one for each of her heads to snack upon, before eating them very noisily alive. Here's a nice pretentious first for Luke Law. Let's quote a translation of Homer. They writhed, gasping as Skilla swung them up her cliff, and there, at her cavern's mouth, she bolted them down raw, screaming out, flinging their arms towards me, lost in that mortal struggle. Nice. I mentioned the Polynesian people with my Kraken roundup, but that was a Nordic local, and the Polynesian people had their own versions of giant multi-armed sea monsters. I can only apologise for the terrible pronunciations to follow, but I'm going to do my best. The Maori have a legend of the giant octopus Teweke a Mutarangi, who was fought to the death in a couple of stories, in some by Kupe the Navigator, and in some by the Nagati Ranginui ancestor Tamatea. There's some arguments here over which is the more authentic, and if one plundered the myth from the other, which I'm really not qualified to wade in on. Myth is frequently an amalgam, and there's very rarely a single definitive story you can trace back to as that is the one. Teweke a Mutarangi was an octopus with a body three arm spans long, and each of its eight arms being five arm spans apiece. No blockbuster movie CGI Kraken, but don't forget what I said about the size of boats predating the days of Imperial expansion. This is not a fight most people are going to win. The Weike was a guardian creature sent to battle the hero in some stories, initially beaten by cutting off an arm with a handy adz tool, and then chasing it to its lair to finish the monster off for good. Teweke a Mutarangi can also refer to a series of paths across the Pacific Ocean, being the tentacles of the Weike. There's a Kraken name check within the French Polynesian tradition, as their name, Tawamata Fehe Fa'atapu Hau, is usually transferred as the Grand Kraken Octopus of Prosperity. That may just be the translators being Eurocentric now, I think, on that one. Not all monsters are gigantic, though. Some are just sneaky. South America has the Encantado, a type of dolphin with evil magical powers. Not the obvious evil monster. Dolphins can be right horrible gits, though, when you look deeper into their behaviour. And, let's face it, as Terry Pratchett once wrote, never trust a species that grins all the time. They're clearly up to something. The threat here comes from their cunning on top of their magic. The Acantado can disguise themselves as humans, roaming freely where they will should they want to, and they are drawn to music festivals where they like to attend as musicians. They're usually friendly enough, but they have a nasty habit of taking a liking to human girls they can hypnotise with their magic to drag away to the underworld to city Ikante. A disguised Encantando will usually be wearing a hat they keep on at all times, as they have a very distinctive small bald spot that is their disguise blowhole. Purely looking at folklore as cautionary tales, the Iketando is one heck of a double threat. Not only for children to be careful at the water's edge, but also for people to be aware of strangers. As I worked on this, I was finding it difficult that not all that many sea monsters are reported outside of mythology. 
Certainly not in a similar way to lake monsters that are tied in with the folklore associated with long-term settlements, which seem to have a stronger ongoing tradition. I mean, don't feel safe or anything, because there's plenty of missing ships all the damn time, and the most dangerous monster is the one that you don't catch. But there are plenty of examples of something else to be had here. Mysterious, hard-to-identify creatures that wash ashore with the brilliant name of Globsters. As in, they're a monster glob. Globster is such a great portmanteau. Globsters are an opportunity for people to come together, random passerby and scientists alike, collectively saying, holy crap, what the hell was that? I'm glad it's dead, but what if there are more? Thankfully, a Globster will usually turn out to be a known sea creature that just happened to rot in a terrifying way, which Poseidon then chucked onto a beach for a laugh to see how humans react. The bigger the creature in life, the weirder the monstrous corpse can get. The St. Augustine monster that washed ashore on the coast of Florida in 1896 was such a weird mess that people initially thought it must be a giant octopus of some description, yet instead turned out to be the caligenous matrix of a sperm whale's blubber that had come loose during decomposition. Both the Bermuda Blob and Bermuda Blob 2, great naming there guys, of 1988 and then 1997 were both whale carcasses. The first Bermuda Blob was excitedly embraced as a cryptid, but later genetic analysis techniques of the store remains sadly proved it was a weird whale leftovers. Bermuda Blob 2, Mystery Corpse Boogaloo, was similarly proved to be whale adipose in a 2004 tissue analysis, not unlike the St. Augustine monster. Differences in rates of decomposition across parts of a whale, along with the rate at how scavengers attack these parts, can leave a weird-looking free-floating chunk of whale not normally found outside of their insides. But some of these festering corpses spat out of the dark depths aren't so mundanely explained. The Stronze Beast is a famous globster that was washed up on the Orkney Islands of Scotland in 1808 after a storm, initially terrifying everyone by being 55 feet in length, or 16.8 metres, with a 10 foot or 3.1 metre circumference. And as big as that was, it was also missing a chunk of tail, so it could have been a lot longer. It was decided at the time to be a new form of sea serpent, and so, in honour of Eric Pontopidan, who had written about sea serpents in the 1700s, it was given the scientific name Halcydrus Potopidani. Spoil sports have tried to say this was just a rotting basking shark, since rotting basking sharks can hit a stage of decomposition where they are apparently a pseudoplesiosaur, a typical enough globster to have a neat term for it. But as true believers that the ocean depths are full of terrors, there's a few details that don't match up there. Basking sharks come in at 36 feet, or 11 meters, which is pretty shy of the Stronze beast, even without speculating how much tail was missing. The beast was supposed to have had three pairs of either wings or paws that combined with bristled fins, these same bristles also making a mane all down its back. Said bristles were reported as glowing in the dark when wet, none of which sounds like a rotting basking shark to me. That's more than enough for this episode. Screw the ocean, it is filled with terrors. I'd like to again apologise to the assorted Polynesian people's names whose pronunciations I did my best with. I would rather stumble trying than leave out such an important seafaring culture when I'm talking about oceanic folklore, though. I found tackling the oceans weirdly difficult, but I reckon I can dig deeper on this one. I shall master my philosophobia and return at some point, although it may be classical mythology heavy again. I do love me some classics though, so let me know if you enjoyed how this deeper dive turned out. 
The Luke Law email is lukelawgsg at gmail.com and the main show email is ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. But there's no need to be so formal as the old electronic mail, which is somehow old now. Myself personally and the main show are all over social media. Facebook, Twitter and Instagram are all active to various degrees. I'm trying to use Instagram more lately since the GSG Instagram is so active and I'm providing the text on an utterly brilliant collaboration with Wanda Frazier's Dark Art series on Fridays. For some bonus Luke Law related text, go look up Haunting of Us on there. If you want to support the show directly, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. We have a load of patron rewards at our variety of tiers, my incentive being that patrons get a link to listen to Luke Law a month early. But, as I always say and always truly mean, just listening to the show is great. If at all you get the chance, please share and review Luke Law, as my spin-off is still something of a tiny show, but I'll still be here for the next episode. It's a lot of fun to research and share these. Goodbye for now. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.